Welcome to the Raging Rhino Podcast. This is podcast number 151. My name is John. You better run. You better take cover. When I was in my late teens and early 20s, I had insomnia. No matter how tired I was, I would get in bed, put my head on the pillow, close my eyes, and that is when my brain decided it wanted to review every little concern I had in my life, every stupid mistake I ever made, and every time I embarrassed myself in public. I take melatonin before bedtime now to quiet the inner voices, just enough to allow me to fall asleep. But if I wake up in the middle of the night and something is really bothering me, I could still be up for hours trying to settle my thoughts. Back in my youth, I hadn't discovered any remedies, so I could be up till 2, 3, or even later in the morning, wide awake. I would just accept the situation and find things to watch on TV. Even back in those years of cable-adding channels, it could still be challenging to find something worth watching. One night, while surfing through, I stumbled across something I'd never seen before on ESPN. Australian Rules Football. They were moving an oblong ball around by punching it with their fists, bouncing it on the ground, and easily kicking it as much as 60 yards sometimes. Players would jump on opponents' backs or shoulders to catch the ball. There was tackling, constant movement, and swarms around the ball fighting for possession. There were raucous crowds, burly players who looked like Rocco from the old Energizer battery commercials, and goal umpires dressed in white with pith helmets pointing their fingers to signal a goal. I didn't really understand it, but I thought it was cool. Things changed in my life, and I didn't get to see the sport again for quite some time, but I never forgot it. Fast forward several years later, where one of my co-workers mentions it, and I'm the only other person who's familiar with it. With the internet now offering certain opportunities, he shows me how to find some matches online. In 2009, we got together to watch the replay of the Grand Final, where Geelong beat St. Kilda. Much more to come on Geelong later. Australian football has become my favorite sport, and the only one I keep up with anymore. They were one of the last major sports leagues to suspend their season during COVID. During that time, I realized I didn't really miss baseball or basketball all that much. I mean, it probably helped that the Chicago Cubs and San Antonio Spurs were both on a major decline after recent championship seasons. It also didn't help that basketball has become more about flashy drives to the bucket and haphazardly raining three-point shots than it is about mastering fundamentals. Baseball, for me, is much better in person, unless you have a really good crew calling the games on TV. And I haven't had a real passion to hear any announcers since I was a kid. Besides that, I agree with Crash Davis that there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. The loss of the designated hitter makes the game dumber. Literally. 
The managers no longer have to be as strategic or creative when a pitcher has to take an at-bat. So it's not as challenging as it used to be. You literally don't need to be as smart anymore to manage the game. American football has been on the decline for years during the Roger Goodell regime. Like basketball, it's all about making the highlight reel, going for the flying tackle to be on the top 10 plays, instead of using basic fundamentals to bring the guy down. A tackle that is often missed, allowing the player to gain yards, or worse, score. Helmets and padding give these guys the false sense of security of being able to slam into one another with abandon, causing concussion after concussion. And don't even get me started about how useless the kickoff is in the NFL these days. I'd rather watch Canadian football, arena football, or the XFL, all of which have adjustments to the game that make it much more fun to watch. Hell, I was impressed with the new incarnation of the XFL just with their brilliant adjustments to the kickoff rule. I was upset that they had to cease operations, and I hope this new restart will catch on, assuming they keep the same rules. So, at this point, unless I'm in a bar or a restaurant that has a game playing, I haven't watched any of the three major American sports in over two years. However, I do purchase the Australian football equivalent of Sunday Ticket, so I can watch all the games I want, anytime. I have never wanted to pay for a service like that, for any other sport. Australian football is the best sport on the planet. Also known as Aussie rules, or colloquially footy, even though I don't use that term because it's too easily confused with American slang footsie. When I tell people I'm a fan of Australian football, 90% of the time they reply, oh, you mean rugby? No. Australian football is nothing like rugby. Rugby's closest equivalent is American football, while Aussie rules is closer to soccer in that it has a, um, a free flow to the game. It's played on an oval field, roughly twice the size of American football's gridiron. There are 18 players per side, full tackling, no pads, and scores that can easily look like the final of a basketball game. It's a wild ride. There's a YouTube video called What is AFL? That's a pretty good primer on the sport, but I just want to talk about the things I like. The two oldest teams in Australian football are the two oldest continually running professional football teams in the world. The Melbourne Demons and the Geelong Cats. Both are 163 years old, with the demons just a few weeks older than the cats. There's all kinds of history that, to be perfectly honest, I'm only beginning to scratch the surface of. Same with the inner workings of the league. When you grow up with American sports, you're used to a certain path athletes have to take to get to the professional level, and then to get with a team they like. Every NFL fan remembers the craziness around Eli Manning's defiance to play for the Chargers. There's all kinds of things about the sport that I'm trying to wrap my head around as I strive to learn more about the behind-the-scenes work. For instance, players who no longer wish to play for the current team will request a trade to another specific team. 
which very frequently happens. But you know, for right now, that's not too important. The important thing is, this sport is just so damn fun to watch. First off, let me give you a little translation key in case you watch a video about the AFL. In America, we say the end of the first quarter or the end of the third quarter. In Aussie rules, it's quarter time and three quarter time. The end of the game is full time. So you may hear something like, the Cats had a five goal lead at quarter time and coasted to a comfortable 42 point victory at full time. In America, you have the regular season and the playoffs. In Aussie rules, it's the home and away season and the finals. The championship is the grand final, what we would call the Super Bowl. And I guess I should include that you don't win a championship, you win a premiership. If you finish the home and away season with the best record, you get the minor premiership. No reward, just bragging rights, I guess. If you have the worst record, they will colloquially say you got the wooden spoon. In American football, you often see the clock tick down between plays for a good 30 seconds or so while the ball is set, the teams call the next play, they line up, and then the true action resumes for usually about 5, maybe 10 seconds if you're lucky. Australian football quarters are 20 minutes long, and if the play stops, the clock stops. The fun part is, the players don't see the clock counting down. They see a clock that counts up similar to soccer. They never know exactly how much time is left in the quarter or the game. In close games, that gives an extra sense of urgency. There's a couple of things I grew up with watching timed sports like American football and basketball. When one team has a comfortable lead, they'll start to take it easy, control the ball, and eat away the clock. In American football, you'll see teams take a knee in order to waste time and not run up the score. That's not what happens in Australian football. You will often see teams continue to try to score even when they have a comfortable lead in a game, even if they lead by 100 points, which happens more than you think. Why would you keep trying to score when you know the game is won? Well, there's a reason for that, and it's especially important in the home and away season, and I love it. In American sports, if two teams finish with the same record at the end of the season, there's all kinds of different tiebreakers that are used to determine who gets the higher position. In Australian rules, the tiebreaker is very simple. It's called the percentage. Let me give you a scenario. Similar to hockey, there's a point system to decide the positioning of the teams. Each win is four points, a tie is two points, and of course, nothing for a loss. So let's say at the end of the season, under this point system, two teams fighting for the final playoff spot each has 48 points. Who makes the playoffs and who goes home? If two or more teams have the same accumulated win-tie points, then their position in the standings is determined by who has the better percentage. That is, the total number of points the team scored in all their matches divided by the total number of points scored against them by their opposition, expressed as a percentage. And that's exactly what happened this year. Two teams, the Western Bulldogs and the Carlton Blues, finished with 48 points 
for the final playoff spot. The Bulldogs percentage was 108.9, while the Blues was 108.3. So the Bulldogs took that last spot by a 0.6% difference. What happens in American sports if two teams have the same record? There's usually a complex series of tiebreakers from head-to-head meetings all the way down to a coin flip. It's convoluted and sometimes an illogical way to decide which team is better. This is simple, and it does something else. It motivates the players to give it all they have for the entire game. When a couple of goals could potentially make the difference over the course of an entire 22-game season, you leave it all out on the field. Can you imagine what would happen if the NFL or the NBA decided to introduce that kind of tiebreaker? I remember a few years ago, an NFL team complaining because the opposition let their kicker try for an unnecessary goal with time running out because it was going to set a record for the most field goals in a game. I don't think their delicate little psyches could handle Australian rules. So let me just tell you another thing I really love about this sport. There are no divisions, no conferences, just 18 teams all together. They call it the ladder. You don't look at the standings, you look at the ladder. Who's at the top of the ladder this week? Who's climbing the ladder? Since all 18 teams are together, There's no question why a team leading a weak division with a poor record made it to the playoffs instead of a team in second or third place but with a better record and a stronger division misses. In Australian rules, the top eight teams make the finals, period. But it gets even better. In American football, if you have the best record, you get a bye week. You start the playoffs at home waiting for your opponent. The problem is... Sometimes a team gets a better record because they had weaker opposition. Australian football came up with a great solution. The top eight teams make the finals. In the first week of the finals, the top four teams play each other, and the bottom four teams play each other. The bottom four teams will play what they call an elimination final. That means the loser is eliminated, goes home. The winner plays next week. The top four teams play what they call a qualifying final, where the losers play the next week against the winners from the elimination finals. And the winners of the qualifying finals, well, they qualify for a bye week and skip to the third round. Yes, that means you have to earn your bye week. You got the best record at the end of the home and away season? Great. You still have to prove it in the first round in order to get that week of rest. But there's all kinds of little things to love about the game, too. I remember in high school making those big banners for the teams to run through when they take the field. Australian football has that tradition. Every 50 games for a player is a milestone. And it's not like here where they only count the regular season, but all games, home and away and finals. A player who reaches one of those milestones or who is retiring will often be carried off the field on the shoulders of a couple of teammates, while both teams line up on either side to cheer him off. 
One notable exception was in 2020, when Gary Ablett Jr. was not carried off because he broke his shoulder during the game and continued to play. Every team has a fight song that is played when they come onto the field and again if they win the game for their fans to sing along. Then once they get into the locker rooms, the team will gather in a circle and sing it again. The championship game, or premiership in their terms, is the grand final. At the end of the game, the losing team does not go into the locker rooms like they do here, or like how LeBron James quickly exited after losing the 2014 finals to the San Antonio Spurs. The losing team stays out on the field. The captain of the losing team gives a short speech of congratulations, and they stay on the field until each member of the winning team is awarded their premiership medal. Then they quietly leave while the winning team celebrates. There is one quirk about the premiership team that I can't say I like. Only the players who play in the actual game get awarded medals. A few years ago, the Western Bulldogs captain, Bob Murphy, had a season-ending injury, so he was unable to play when his team broke their 62-year championship drought. So even though he had played 17 seasons with them, he did not get a medal. Famously, the coach of the Bulldogs called him up on the stage and gave him his. A couple of years later, Bob Murphy hosted a talk show and interviewed Andrew Gaze, who was one of the best basketball players to come out of Australia, and played for the San Antonio Spurs in 1999 during the regular season. Gaze was not included on the playoff roster, and the Spurs ended up winning their first championship that year. In the interview, Andrew Gaze talked about how unusual it was to receive a championship ring from the Spurs, even though he wasn't on the team when they won it. They contrasted that with Murphy's situation about not being able to play. I guess it's an Australian thing because Gaze didn't think he deserved the ring. I say if you contributed to that team's success in that year, then why not? But that's just me. Speaking of the San Antonio Spurs, my hometown team, they had a run where they won the NBA championship every other year in odd number years. 2003, 2005, and 2007. In 2007, the Geelong Cats began a similar run, winning premierships in 2007, 2009, and 2011. I took note of that as I was getting back into the game that I enjoyed so much in my insomniac days, and Geelong became my favorite team. I've grown to love the sport so much as I mentioned earlier, I'd do something that I never considered doing for any American sport. Beginning in 2019, I bought a season pass for the Australian Football League. It's part of a package that you get for becoming a member of your favorite club. That's one of the ways the teams generate revenue. Along with the season pass, you get a member pack with things like a team scarf, stickers, etc. So I get the membership for Geelong, a scarf that I don't get to use too often in Texas, and access to all the games, live, replays, interviews, and various talk shows about the sport. This season 
was especially fun because it ended so well. Geelong started out so-so eh, average. Other teams looked really strong, especially the reigning premiers, the Meldron Demons. At 5-4, and four, the Cats were showing promise, but people were wondering if, as the team with the oldest average age of players, they had enough energy to make it to the playoffs, much less win it all. Then something amazing happened. They didn't lose again for the rest of the season. They won the last 13 games of the home and away season, taking out contenders like Melbourne and Richmond to finish at the top of the ladder. In the first round of the playoffs, they edged out the Collingwood Magpies, a team that had its own impressive winning streak and a nasty habit of winning close games. In the third round, because remember, they earned their bye week, they rolled over the Brisbane Lions, who were coming off two impressive underdog victories. The grand final saw Geelong matched up against the Sydney Swans. The Swans handed Geelong their biggest loss of the season by 30 points, but that was very early on, like the second week of the season. Sydney's a young team that plays fast and pressures teams into turnovers. Geelong had been more than impressive, so I knew they could win, but there were plenty of pundits who thought Sydney could pull off the upset. I've been waiting all week for the game. It would be played at 2.30 p.m. at the Melbourne Cricket Grounds, one of the largest stadiums in the world with a capacity just over 100,000. 2.30 p.m. Saturday afternoon Melbourne time meant 11 p.m. Friday night here in Texas. I knew that if I stayed up for the full game, plus the trophy presentation, and the traditional celebration, which has the winners walking around the stadium meeting with fans, I would likely be up until 3.30 in the morning, maybe 4. I didn't care. I wanted to see my team, the Geelong Cats, win it all. I had beer in the fridge. I had wings ready to pop into the oven that I had just started heating up. It was about 45 minutes to game time. I'm hopping around the kitchen with nervous energy. I open the oven door, put the wings in, and the power goes out. We would come to find out later that a car rammed into a nearby power substation, taking out power to over 24,000 people. It took them about two hours to restore electricity. I missed the first half of the game. I tried desperately to get info on what was going on. Unfortunately, the power outage affected the cell towers as well, so I would get reception on my phone to maybe watch 30 seconds of the game or grab a score update before everything started clocking again. We've also had lingering hot weather that keeps temperatures into the 70s late into the night, so it got warm in the house pretty fast. Gina decided to go to bed, and I continued to try to grab some snippet of info about the game. At one point in the first quarter, I knew Geelong had an early lead of 31-6, to but in Australian football, that's easy to come back from, especially that early. The power came back on just as the second quarter ended, and even at halftime with a 36-point lead, that is still within the realm of a comeback. It's happened before from even bigger deficits. Fortunately for Geelong fans, the Cats overwhelmed the Swans in the third quarter, 
stretching out the lead to 74 points before coasting to an 81-point victory. There were all kinds of feel-good stories in the win. The captain of the team, Joel Selwood, played a record 40th finals match and days later announced his retirement, walking away as a champion. Happy trail, Selwood, and all the best on your next chapter. 14-year veteran Patrick Dangerfield won his first championship. Isaac Smith became the oldest player to win the Norm Smith Medal, which is the equivalent of the Super Bowl MVP. Sam DeKoenig is a first-year player who came onto the team early in the season and has impressed everyone as a defender. But on this day, he found himself in the right place at the right time to kick the first goal of his career. But the story of redemption belongs to Tyson Stengel, who a year ago was out of the game due to separate incidents of drunk driving and drug possession. A former teammate and cousin, Eddie Betts, who is now a coach at Geelong, vouched for Stengel with the club to give him another try. He played in every game, becoming an integral part of the offensive attack, kicking 50 goals for the season, four in the championship, and was named to the All-Australian team, the equivalent of the All-NBA First Team. That's quite a comeback, and he's only 23 years old. Not many people that young are smart enough to do a 180-degree turnaround and listen to the more experienced people around them. I know I wouldn't have been. Here's hoping he stays strong and there's no recidivism for him in the future. I watched the post-game ceremony and celebration. As is the tradition that I mentioned earlier, the losing team stays on the field. Their captain gave a short speech thanking and consoling their fans and congratulating the victors. The Norm Smith medalist gives a short speech, which is usually the only one that has no preparation. Then each member of the winning team is brought up to receive a medal. The last is always the captain, who gives a speech thanking the sponsors and teammates and fans. And lastly, the coach reiterates what the captain says and gives a few thanks of his own. Then the coach and the captain are given the championship trophy that they hoist in the air and are swarmed by the team. Confetti is thrown, and the photo ops and celebration begins. The opposition leaves the grounds, and the winning team makes their way around the stadium, celebrating with fans, friends, and family, before getting together one last time to sing their song. And you know what? Since I have the time for it anyway, here is the Geelong Club song.
I know, when you hear the song, it kind of makes sense that the team is 163 years old. That is kind of an old-style tune. But imagine yourself having just won a championship with 21 of your teammates and 50,000 fans still in the crowd singing along with you to that song. It's got to be pretty damn cool. Two years ago, Geelong were on the losing side in the championship. They played a great first half, but just fell apart in the second half and got their butts handed to them. It was the other team song, sung by tens of thousands of their fans instead of my team. It was Joel Silwood who had to stand up first at the trophy presentation as the captain of the losing team to offer his congratulations to the winners and console his team and his fans. It was tough, but I figured if they could sit through it having played and lost, I can sit through it as a mere spectator. But this year, the end was much more fun. I love Australian football, and I hope I've conveyed how much fun it is, and I really hope you'll give it a shot. And congratulations to the 2022 Australian Football League premieres, the Geelong Cats. This is the Raging Rhino Podcast. You'll hear from me again.